great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. May May Days. Welcome into this episode of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast, the Halloween trade deadline edition. I am Captain Hook, excuse me, Matt Perino. I'm joined as always by Luigi Ryan Talbot. What's up? That was good. Thank you. I really like that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You really brought it there. I appreciate that. Um, welcome into a trade line or trade deadline edition of Shout. As I mentioned, brought to you as always by Tops Friendly Markets. We haven't been with you for a couple of days. I f- I missed you all, and we had to get back in the saddle today. We were waiting for a potential deal, and we have a lot to get into on that specific deal here today. But are you ready for Slider Sunday? Sunday night, Bills, Bengals, big one. It's on the road. So if you're not going to the game, get yourself set up for. Your uh, big game, uh, if you're hosting or if you're bringing some things over to a friend's house, um, Tops Friendly Markets is always has your hookup. Every time you visit slidersunday.com, you have a chance to win free products, brand swag, tailgating gears, trips, and more. One chance per day, no purchase necessary. Ryan, the Bills, they make a deal. And actually, um, oh, excuse me. Thank you, Rick Rarick. Excuse me. Urgh, I got the hook right here. Don't you worry about a thing, my friend. Very observant of you. Uh, but let's get into this deal here because the Bills, as we were like leading up to the trade deadline, you know, reports were out there that uh, they were aggressively checking out the cornerback market. Uh, our good friend Jordan Schultz over at Bleacher Report, congrats to him on the new gig. He reported that the Bills were making an aggressive attempt for Jalen Johnson, the cornerback from the Chicago Bears, who I was getting all prepared for, Ryan, to have uh, a show about that potential deal and what it could all mean. They pivot. They couldn't get a deal done. There's a lot to get into and why that probably happened. The Bills deal for Rasul Douglas, a uh, blast from the past. We've talked about him many times on this show in the past. Cornerback from the Green Bay Packers, your first thoughts. Yeah, my first thoughts is this is a great pivot for the Bills. You know, Jalen Johnson, as you mentioned, was uh, asked to be traded uh, early in the morning hours, and it just didn't happen. The Bears decided to hold on to him, and uh, it was a tricky deal, I think, for both sides if anyone were to acquire him. It's the final year of his deal. Uh, you would have to extend him at a pretty high rate, so that kind of would would make it interesting in terms of what the trade compensation could be because if not, it's a half-year rental. Rasul Douglas is under contract through 2024, uh, and he's kind of just what the Bills need. He's a good fit schematically. He's an aggressive cornerback in terms of making a play on the ball. Ten interceptions the last three years. Uh, That ranks very high among uh, cornerbacks across the league. Someone that's always has a nose for the ball. And to me, this was the biggest need on the defense, Matt. Uh, I, I know, you know, one tech linebacker I've heard from Bills fans this week This is a Bills team that has the Bengals this week. They still have Kansas City this year. They have the Eagles. They have Dallas. They have a lot of high-octane offenses with great passing attacks. 
and they were still looking to replace the number one cornerback who they lost in Trey White. So to me, this was a great deal. Uh, the price made a lot of sense, and I don't mind giving up a third-round pick in this because this is a Bills team that had 10 picks going into next year's draft, and they do not have 10 roster spots for draft picks. Right. I, I really like – I mean, this wasn't even on my radar. I, I was spending most of today getting learned up on Jalen Johnson because it's been – you know, the, to me, the big holdup in a deal for Johnson – is the limited sample size of the elite production. That to me was what I was the most concerned about from a Bills end because you trade for him, you then have to give him a new contract and you're banking on the fact that he's going to be the guy that he's been this season moving forward. And there's a good chance that ends up being the case and and it's neither here nor there um, whether or not that, that's going to happen at this point. Uh, but you have to give up compensate compensation. The reports were that the uh, the Bears wanted a little bit more, maybe than than people around the league's experts thought that that w- that was going to be the case going into the week. So when you have to make the pivot, to me, Rasul Douglas is a guy that the Bills are ultra familiar with. Was in the same draft class as Tre'Davious White. Uh, probably did a little bit of work on him back in free agency in 2021 when both you and I advocated for the the move as he kind of made a jump in Carolina for a season and then really has turned into the cornerback that he's been the last three years in Green Bay. You mentioned the 10 interceptions. This season alone, Ryan, a a lot of the buzz around Jalen Johnson was the PFF coverage grade. I mean, third in the NFL for Jalen Johnson uh, in total PFF coverage grade through eight weeks. You go down seven more spots to number 10, there you'll find Rasul Douglas. And he's doing it. It, on, on arguably a, um, just as bad of a defense. Like you look at the DVOA numbers right now for defensive rank in the NFL. You have the Chicago Bears at third worst uh, at 12.4%. Then you go to fifth worst, and there are the Green Bay Packers at 10.1%. Rasul Douglas uh, has been playing at a pretty high level on a pretty bad team. And, and it's more than just the great play that you've had from him over the past few seasons. It's the leadership. Uh, so once this trade was announced, I, I was following some of the feeds of Green Bay Packers writers. Uh, one was talking about how, you know, yes, the season's lost for Green Bay, but Rasul Douglas was not the type of player that uh, he would be trying to move from a leadership perspective. He kind of brought that defense together. There were posts about uh, after the game how he hadn't come out yet to uh, speak yet because he was holding court, so to speak, in the locker room meeting with the players, trying to figure out what's been going wrong with this team. Uh, Quotes from teammates saying how he kind of comes out and says it's not anyone's fault for the season that they're having right now. It falls on everyone's shoulders. You know, little things like that matter to this regime too. And they're not only getting a a really good football player, they're getting another guy that can can bring some leadership uh, to this defense. And there's plenty of that already. But, you know, good character player, great player in general too. Um, I want to get into the compensation, but you mentioned the player, you know, the person they're getting, the player that they're getting is a perfect scheme fit, right? Like he's played predominantly zone coverage over in Green Bay. He um, uh, comes in, uh, I think it was NFL Next Gen staff to put out uh, a tweet after the deal. He's allowing 6.5 yards uh, per target this season, uh, which is a full yard fewer than any healthy Bills corner on the roster right now. So he comes in and becomes you know, the team's number one cornerback in a really, really uh, big spot for a defense that's kind of searching for it. Because Dane and Christian have done a really good job 
of settling the ship since Trey White's injury. But things are going to get harder, Ryan. This is something that I've talked about on multiple uh, radio shows on this podcast. The gauntlet the Bills defense is going to set out on here, starting with Joe Burrow and this Cincinnati offense. Whoo, they're looking really good. I just got done with the rewatch. I watched the game live, and then I rewatched it again against the Niners. This is an offense that's playing as well as any team in the league. That's one of the best performances that I've seen this season from an offense. So the Bills have a lot on their plate. We could also get into the conversation of like how much can be expected from Douglas right from the jump. But for the, from a comp- compensation perspective, it's a third-round draft pick the Bills send over uh, to the Packers. They get Douglas and a fifth back. Um, they already have a third round pick in the Tremaine Edmonds uh, comp formula. So we'll get the, the details on what that ends up looking like. Uh, but they don't lose a ton and they add a guy that could potentially be a huge cog in the wheel here on this defense. Huge cog this year and next. And great uh, talking point here in the chat from Nikki G. Douglas also gets targeted more because Jair Alexander's on the other side in Green Bay. So, yeah, I mean, that's another thing. He's having a top 10. Uh, season in terms of coverage despite getting a lot of footballs thrown his way this was a smart move for the bills we have talked throughout the season about the depth and the concerns that we have with the depth at cornerback there were a few games that christian benford missed with injury we already know trey white's out for the year uh dane jackson missed a game this allows the bills to kind of push down the players that they have on this roster down one spot you you have russell douglas's cornerback one now uh, christian benford in my mind cornerback two Dane Jackson rotating in his corner three on the outside. You know, we, we know that Kyrie Elam has had a very tough go here in Buffalo. He was not moved uh, at the deadline. So he's still on this roster. Uh, isn't going to be forced into action to play. They can keep trying to unlock him in terms of this defense. But this allows the Bills to have that extra depth that they've been missing. Uh, that's kind of hurt them in some games this season. So great move across the board for this team. And I, I saw somebody asking, what are the Bills going to do in terms of a um, corresponding move? Uh, I don't think they have to do anything, Ryan. I think their roster is sitting at 50, 52. They mm-hmm. signed uh, Leonard Fournette, and they released uh, Kendall Vickers, I believe, from the practice squad, which is actually not a surprising move. We're going to get into the Fournette deal here in a moment. Um, but uh, Kendall Vickers really looked out of his element, uh, out of his depth, if you will, in this last game. And, you know, I thought it was – Interesting early in the season that Vickers got a chance to play a little bit more on the edge. He's a bit of a smaller interior player, and maybe that's where they see him, um, you know, developing at a little bit more. And and with Daquan Jones out, uh, they're probably looking for some more answers uh, at DT. They obviously bring in Ilianku back to the team, Bills Mafia. They can add him back to the practice squad on buffalobills.com. What does this do, Ryan? this move for Douglas for like how you went into the trade deadline thinking about this bills de- defense and how does it change your view of it in terms of how confident you are knowing the teams that they have to play against? Well, I think going in, I, I stress the need for a cornerback above any other position. So the fact that they went out, they added someone that, you know, arguably was the best cornerback traded at the deadline uh, there are some big names that were mentioned as options. I don't think Sertain was ever going to get moved minus this ridiculous multi-first-round pick type of deal. Johnson, the Bears decided to hold on to him. So they upgraded the position, and, and that was the biggest thing for them. In, in terms of the other needs for this team, still, yes, one tech is there. Uh, Ilianku, though, has shown that he can 
uh, handle that role in, in a, you know, given the opportunity, I'm sure that he's going to get some chances from the practice squad to get elevated. Uh, he might even eventually get signed to this roster. There's Indomitian Sue still out there in free agency if they want to go that route. Uh, linebacker obviously was another need for this team. It's a concern for me when you, you have, um, obviously you have a great player in Terrell Bernard, but then opposite him, it's been Dodson. It's been Dorian Williams. Williams has been kind of uh, pulled twice now in, in this time, but the bills also have given some different looks now, some dime looks where uh, you have Jordan Poyer kind of coming up and playing a pseudo linebacker of sorts. So maybe the bills have kind of figured out how to play this in terms of, we know we have an issue at linebacker. Uh, we, we can't really address it. We don't know the status of Matt Milano long-term here in terms of coming back late in the season, but maybe the Bills found a little fix to that. Uh, to me, this was a, a big move to fill the most pressing need on this team. You know How it goes, we'll see, because he is coming to a new team. It does fit him uh, in terms of the scheme, in terms of what he's done in his career. Uh, but you don't want to put too much on his plate too soon. I'd like to see him out there on Sunday Night Football. It'd be uh, a big move for this team if he was ready to go. Uh, a big move uh, for your Buffalo Bills fan experience is becoming a Shout Bills text insider. And you could do that by texting 716-528-6727 right now. That's 716-528-6727. That'll give you a two-week free trial. After that, it is $399 a month. And as always, the Shout text line is brought to you by Carrie C. Buyer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litra, located at 237 Main Street in Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, Give Carrie a call at 716-852-1234 or check out LitraLaw.com. You know, one of the things that I saw floating around out there as Montez Sweat was dealt from the Commanders and Chase Young dealt from the Commanders was maybe the Bills foregoing a move at corner and maybe investing some of the draft capital into trading for another defensive lineman. Now, I don't know what that would have looked like. I, I think the Bills are pretty plush with players on the edge. I mean, if you think about A.J. Epinesa playing at a higher level, Von Miller, you still think that he's probably going to reach a level of consistency towards the end of the season, or at least you're holding out hope. You're you're believing in and banking on that. You have Leonard Floyd, who's played at a super high level, Greg Rousseau, who's an ascending player, probably on his way to a contract extension, if not uh, in-season maybe uh, in the off season. So there's plenty of options. Then you have Kingsley Jonathan too. So I just, I didn't know where maybe an edge rusher made sense. And that's where a lot of the activity, you look around the league at some of the guys that you might want to take a run at. And I just don't know if the money made sense, Ryan, the Jeffrey Simmons of the world, the Deron Payne, the Jonathan Allens of the world, like guys that of course would change the complexion of your defensive line. I just don't think the money made sense and the bills had enough space. I mean, any move that they made, they were going to have to do some kind of gymnastics to get it to fit. And that's why I think this Douglas move made so much sense is it doesn't really impact them too much in 2023. Yeah. You know, where the bills are cap wise, they were strapped a little bit. There were still moves that they could have made uh, to make a, a bigger deal work, but Douglas's salary for this year is easy for them to get under the cap. It, it's not a ridiculous cap hit next year either. Uh, you go in knowing that you have Douglas, uh, in the mix for cornerback one duty because, again, Trey White uh, out for this year. You don't know what that rehab process is going to look like. So you at least feel good about having that position for more than one season as well, where some of these guys that are getting dealt, it could end up being a half-year rental. It could end up being a 
have to franchise the player type situation uh, or you extend them and you're, you're spending a, a lot of money that, you know, the bills already have a lot of money tied up elsewhere and they have some other homegrown talent that they have to try to figure out. Do we want to uh, extend them here? Like Gabe Davis, like AJ Epinesa, who's having a career year. And, and if you were to add a sweat or a chase young, that uh, muddies the water, so to speak, in terms of making it more complicated. So Rasul Douglas, the price point made a lot of sense. The need, the position, uh, it all added up. And, and, you know, for the Bills, this was the right move. What is up, everybody? This is Matt Prino from Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast, here to talk to you about Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player staff projections and watch the winnings roll in. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you could turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Prize Picks with as little as four correct picks. You could turn $10 into $1,000 with NBA, NHL, and college basketball entries today on Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT. S-H-O-U-T for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today and use the code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Interesting, another interesting piece to the cornerback puzzle for the Bills at the deadline is not dealing Kyer Elam. And honestly, I'm not overly surprised the more time I spend thinking about this. Like, you, you take the situation right now, and, um, of course, you add in a, a potential, you know, bona fide starting caliber corner in Douglas. But say the Bills suffer an injury, right? I know that they activated or elevated Josh Norman for the last game. But if you're banking on a 35-year-old holding up over the course of the season – I think that is a tough ask and putting yourself in a situation at the position that I don't care what you say about Kyer Elam. You, there's people that are out there strongly arguing that he's a bust, that you can't put him back out there. I thought that the move to go with Norman over Elam was illuminating last Thursday. I thought it was the, the depth of this whole storyline, but the story's never completely over. And I think that we could get to a point in the season, Ryan, that if the Bills get banged up at corner, Christian Benford's been hurt in the past. Dane Jackson's been hurt in the past, has missed a, a chunk of time. The Bills might be in a situation where they need to rely on somebody for a, a, a great amount of snaps. And as high as we are on Jamarcus Ingram, as comfortable as the Bills are with Cam Lewis and Saran Neal and kind of some of these supplementary roles, having a former first-round pick that you can lean on and go to in that situation as bad as he struggled the compensation would have to really be good for me to take that off of the roster, knowing the Super Bowl window and and the the opportunity they have this season. Yeah, and the compensation wasn't going to be good because right now, you know, it's probably at his lowest point in his career. So 
any offers that were coming in were probably very low offers. And I understand that from the other team's perspectives, uh, perspective. But when it comes to the Bills, you know, there was a, a clip that I can't remember who shared it originally on Twitter. It was Brandon Bean. And it was when he was talking about Wyatt Teller. And he said he, he kind of uh, moved on from Teller a little bit too quickly and he regretted it. And, you know, I'm not saying that Kyrie Elam is going to end up being this pro bowl, all pro caliber cornerback for this team, the way that Wyatt Teller is a pro bowl, all pro caliber offensive lineman uh, in Cleveland, but you don't want to give up on someone, especially when their stock is this low. It'd be one thing if you were getting something close to to what you uh, invested in him back, that was never going to happen. So keep him on board. You have more veteran leadership. Now Uh, you brought in Josh Norman, you have Rasul Douglas, you maybe you hope that one of these guys can kind of teach Elam the ropes uh, on the field as he keeps getting coached up by this team off the field, uh, and maybe something will eventually click. But in terms of depth, yes, you can do a lot worse than a Kyrie Elam. All right, let's move this thing along. A little bit of a trade deadline special. You're looking at about 25 to 30 minutes of Luigi and uh, Captain Hook who has to get upstairs and get in the car with Peter Pan and Tinkerbell so we can drive over to um, who would be the grandparents. Wendy would be the grandmother, right? Yeah, right? I believe so. Okay, the grandmother's coming with us because Caitlin just finished uh, getting her uh, costume all figured out, and so she is going to be Wendy tonight. we got some candy to go get, Ryan, but we before we get to the candy part of the evening, we have to get into uh, the Bills running back situation because I saw, I saw a lot of – confusion with the Leonard Floyd edition. You know, you, you had the Bills say, oh, Leonard Fournette, excuse me. I keep wanting to call him Leonard Floyd. By the way, that mustache is just entrancing, so I apologize. Um, and I feel bad for anybody listening to this podcast who can't watch us right now looking like complete goofs. But if you do want to see um, what it looks like, just just pull up the YouTube uh, episode and, and we can go from there. You know, Leonard Fournette, the Bills add him, and I am – a huge fan of this deal. He, he, he comes in on the practice squad. There's no commitment that you're making to the player. You're going to let him take a slow play to getting himself in football shape. He may already come in in a good spot, but you're going to get him um, up to speed in the scheme and the system. That's probably going to take a few weeks. Ryan, I think you have the potential to add a bulldozer type of player for the really important months of the season, December and January. One of the things that came out of this Buccaneers game a couple days ago was the ineffectiveness of Latavius Murray all of a sudden in some of these short down situations, uh, short yardage situations. I wonder if Leonard Floyd Fournette is is not a, a move to um, cushion yourself a little bit to give yourself another option for some of those really physical December January games. Yeah, and, and you know if you just glimpse at Fournette's numbers, especially last year, you might say, "Oh man, his, his yards per carry." Uh, we're down and he, does he have anything left? They were using him a lot in these short yardage situations and he was faring pretty well. I know that's not necessarily his overall specialty. He's a really good pass catcher too, but I, I agree. Latavius Murray really hit a wall uh, against Tampa Bay on Thursday night football. And it's a small sample size. I know he's had a few other games where he struggled on the ground a little bit. Uh, he, he had some nice games in the start of the season, but it's never bad to add an insurance policy like Leonard Fournette to your practice squad. He is more of an all-around back. Uh, he can help this team, though, when the weather turns late in the season. 
as good as Murray has been at times this year, he's also the oldest running back in the league. Uh, so, you, you know, you could be looking at an injury at any time uh, with a 33-year-old running back. I have no problem with this move, again, because of where you're putting him. You're putting him on the practice squad. You want to see what he can do over the next few weeks. If he impresses, maybe there's an elevation in play. Uh, thank you for joining us on this Tuesday evening Halloween episode of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast uh, brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets this Sunday. Um, get yourself the hookup. Go over to Tops Friendly Markets. Got the Carryout Cafe that's always popping, and you can start your Slider Sunday winning streak with Kings Hawaiian this football season and earn rewards to redeem for free product, brand swag, tailgating gear, and more. Visit slidersunday.com for details and uh, visit the Tops Deli section and look for the bright king, bright orange Kings Hawaiian displays. Scan the QR, get a chance to instantly win, and then visit topsmarkets.com/slidersunday for the best slider recipes in town all right ryan what else do we got you know the big thing was the trade deadline but uh we have a few more shows coming your way this week obviously with the big sunday night matchup ahead but uh i'm trying to look through these comments right now to see if there's anything else yeah some people are saying that uh this is also damian harris insurance uh because we don't know how long he's going to be out with this neck injury absolutely uh the bills obviously received good news on uh, Damian Harris shortly after that injury took place, but it, it's still a serious matter. It's still something that may have shaken uh, Damian Harris up. It could be out longer than anticipated. So uh, another body there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that the Damian Harris thing is like, you don't want to be in a situation where you're rushing a guy back from a neck injury, knowing how physical he kind of plays the position. And it makes sense to kind of bring in another player that, you know, they, they've been flirting with Fournette, it seems like, for a while. It feels like, you know, big playoff experience. This isn't a, a player that, um, you know, or a, a regime, I should say, that has shied away from the idea of you perform in the playoffs. They want that in their locker room. And, and this is a perfect example uh, of what they want to do. And, you know, I think Damian Harris is, all right, well, you know, we'll see how this uh, plays out. See if he's available later in the season, but this is kind of insurance. Let's get into the Indomitong Sioux conversation yeah. a little bit, uh, maybe get ahead of it, because if the Bills do end up, uh, I think he came out and said that he, uh, he's he been talking to some teams, getting ready to find. He was actually working with um, Sky Sports in the UK with our good friend Phoebe Spector, uh, and uh that would be a huge addition to a Bills defensive line that you don't you could ask him to play the Jordan Phillips role from when Daquan Jones was healthy, right? Like 30, 40% of the snaps. He's really good against the run. Obviously older, not the same player he was in his prime, but I think he's a significant upgrade on what they have. The money's not going to be super high. And I think if you take that in comparison to maybe a trade for like a Harrison Phillips where the money is a little bit higher. I always thought that there were ebbs and flows with, with Harrison Phillips when he was in Buffalo. Uh, I think he's gotten to a place of a little bit more consistency, but again, there's quite a different price tag to add murder to add Harrison Phillips. than there is to add Sue. Yes. And, and listen, Sue is older, uh, 36 years old, I believe, but he came in last year with the Eagles and I thought he played pretty well at times for them. He is not going to be this savior, this be-all, end-all if he's added to the Bills. Uh, the Ravens are talking to him as well. So wherever he lands, you know, it's not prime in Dominican Sioux. But this could be a really nice rotational piece 
uh, until they can get Daquan Jones back, if they can get Jones back from that torn pectoral. Uh, they need some more guys up in the middle there that can kind of stop the run. I did think that Puna Ford had a much better uh, second performance than he did in his debut with the Bills the week before that. I think Jordan Phillips at times flashes. Uh, Tim Settle up and down. So, again, this is not a needle mover, so to speak, in terms of a huge move for the Bills. It would be a smart addition uh, if they were at least in the mix to acquire him and his services. Have you been surprised at all at – have you seen some of the conversation that's happened around Josh Allen and the Bills offense over the last couple of – I want to say weeks, but some of the the on-the-outskirts – folks that seem to be higher on the bills than the national narrative. Has that surprised you at all? Like if you look at some of the advanced metrics, like um, DVOA is a perfect place to start. I had it in my story the other day. Um, uh, obviously pro football focus has some pretty good high grades on the bills offense, um, but they've been so up and down. Like if, if, if you watch the national narrative, even some of the national guys that I really respect podcasts, um, reporters. So, so I'm not just talking about like ESPN and FS1. It seems like there's concerns about the Bills' offense because of the inconsistencies um, along with the Chiefs' offense. But some of the like bigger metrics that you look at, like the, the totality of it all, I feel like the Bills' offense, through all the haze and all the smoke, has consistently been in that top five in terms of production, um, quarterback play, efficiency, uh, their EPA per play. Uh, I think the only team offensively that's higher are the Dolphins. Um, and then you look at a trade deadline where the Bills don't go out and make a deal on the offensive side of the ball. I thought I'd be sitting here going into that Buccaneers game, seeing what we saw in the last two games, a little bit more concerned if the, if the Bills didn't make a move. I don't think there were moves to be made. I mean, the Devontae Adams move just seemed crazy talk. And the DeAndre Hopkins move, it's like he goes out there and has a connection instantly with Will Levis. It's probably going to cost an arm and a leg to deal for him at that point. I think the Bills like what they have on offense. I think that there's so much opportunity now for Dalton Kincaid to maybe grow into whatever role they're going to have for him in this offense. And through it all, through all the concern from a lot of people, the Bills offense has still been pretty dang good. Yeah, pretty good. And yes, they have not hit their stride on either side of the ball, but I think that's a good thing. You want to hit your stride late in the year uh, come playoff time. But they have been very good offensively. EPA, you mentioned, I think second down is kind of one of their low points and there have been some calls that have put them in third and long and unfavorable situations, but overall it's been a great uh, offensive team in terms of those uh, advanced statistics. I think what happened last week on Thursday night football is the start of a really good thing in terms of going more up tempo. I'm not sure that's ever going to be something that they do over the stretch of four quarters, but I think it's something they're going to mix and match in. If they ever hit a lull, you go up tempo on your next drive and, and try to get back uh, in the mix there in stride on this offense. This having to almost be forced to go to 11 personnel, I think that's a great thing for this offense. Uh, we saw what Khalil Shakir looked like as wide receiver number three. And it doesn't just have to be Shakir. This is going to give more opportunities to Deontay Hardy, to uh, Sherfield. We know what they have in Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs, but this is the first time we were able to see Gabe Davis run a more extensive route tree where he's running underneath, where he's making big plays at, or picking up yards. After the catch, and obviously Dalton Kincaid has looked the part of tight end number one through these last two games. Um, I wanted to bring up uh, last thing on um, this deal on Douglas from uh, the the Athletics 
Green Bay Packers reporter, Matt Schneiderman. Uh, he does a really good job out there. And, and he just wrote this on the, uh, the deal. For the first time in six-year tenure, Packers general manager Gutekiss was in position to be a seller at the trade deadline. Uh, and his sell is exactly what he did in dealing Douglas. And he's reporting a 2020 or a 2024 fifth round pick to the Bills in exchange for the third. Um, he enjoyed a breakout season, uh, breakout rest of the season and route to earning Pro Bowl votes after amassing 13 passes, defense, and five interceptions in 12 games and nine starts. That's his first year. Uh, he had another four interceptions, 13 passes defended in 2022, and had been one of the Packers' most sound players on defense through their two and five start. By trading Douglas, um, hang on a second. Um, Douglas, one of the spokesmen for the defense in the locker room, said, I feel like it's on me, though. I'm not uh, leading the right way. I've got to find better ways to le lead. Clearly, the stuff I'm doing is not enough. How I'm leading is not good enough. I've got to go back to the drawing board myself and find a different way to lead. And I bring this up, Ryan, because it goes per perfectly in unison with what you said at the, the start of the show, in that this is a guy that, like, accountability, um, somebody that it wasn't going well for him. He gets kind of like a refreshing start in Buffalo. And I feel like that could be a huge, uh, energizer for him. And you could see the best football from Douglas over the course of the last half of the season. And if someone just kind of came into this podcast for that quote, you would almost say it sounded like a Sean McDermott quote. It starts with me. I'm not, you know, doing a good enough job of this, that, or the other. That is accountability. That is leadership. That's what this team is always looking for. Uh, whether it's free agency or trade. So I, I think that they like the player more than just on the field, but they're getting a really good player on the field as well. And finally, thoughts on him playing on Sunday. I don't know. I, I think it'll probably be in a limited capacity if he does end up playing. I could see like a snap share with like Christian Benford or Dane Jackson getting him some reps. Like I found it, I probably feel like they want to throw him out there. He's been playing. If he can conceptually get an understanding of the defense, put him out in cer certain spots. And it could also be an in case of emergency type of situation. Like, okay. The Bengals offense comes out like it did a year ago, and he's just marching down the field against the Bills. You almost are forced into kind of putting him in there. Yeah, and listen, it's Tuesday. You have until Sunday night to kind of figure things out. When, when he comes into Buffalo for the first time and he sits down in the meetings, uh, he'll probably get uh, a good idea of the playbook and what things are, and he can compare them to what those calls were in Green Bay. It's like this play. It's like that. And if he can pick up or have a good enough grasp of the playbook, I think you will see him mixed in. Uh, I think you need a player like that that has a nose for the ball that's a little bit more aggressive going after the ball rather than kind of sitting back and waiting for the play to come to him. Uh, yes, aggressiveness can hurt you at times, but this is the type of player that they need. Uh, this is a secondary that has not had much success in terms of creating turnovers, uh, and this is a player that can absolutely right the ship in that regard. Uh, speaking of the ship and making sure that it's righted, I'm going to go and right the ship. And I'm going to go steal Tinkerbell from Peter Pan and take her back to the ship because I have an evil plan that I have to unveil. I don't know. I'm working on my lines, Ryan. Uh, you know, you just got to play the part. It's 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 right. dad mode. It's Halloween that's dad right. mode. And that's why I'm dressed in this uh, little outfit. I feel he owns uh, Luigi as well, but I'm the one after he eats the mushroom. I'm the bigger version. So looking All forward right. to being out there tonight. I love it. I love it. All right. We'll be back with you. Uh, multiple shows the rest of the week. I'm trying to put together a Bengals preview show too, that will run uh, as well. Um, uh, for Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. 
Uh, little news too. Guess what's back in the audio only uh, edition? AG1. If you want to find a product that Ryan Talbot and I endorse harder than AG1, you are not going to find it. We are uh, regulars. Uh, my wife is always yelling at me for leaving my AG1 bottle laying around the house, but I got to have it every day. I, I start my day with uh, that beautiful uh, green drink, and I've never felt better, Ryan. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, we both brought it with us to London. If that's not telling you something, uh, you know, how much we enjoy it, how much we have it in our daily routine. We're excited to have them back in here for this fourth quarter. Over 600 watching live. I tip my cap to you, everybody. Hit that like button. Subscribe before you go. We'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. Enjoy your Halloween.